Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of some delicate morsels from this week's coverage. I'm Anne McElvoy and I lead Economist Radio. On the menu this week, light at the end of the funnel for ship owners, land comfort in America, and is unruly youth a thing of the past? First, Quantum Leaps was our cover line this week. A second revolution at an atomic level is underway, and there's a smorgasbord of possible applications. A bathing cap that can watch individual neurons, allowing others to monitor the wearer's mind. A sensor that can spot hidden nuclear submarines. A computer that can discover new drugs, revolutionise securities trading, and design new materials a global network of communication links whose security is underwritten by unbreakable physical laws. Quantum mechanics, where probability replaces certainty. In the 20th century, exchanging the idea of a deterministic universe to one of probabilities shook many to their atomic core. Along with that upheaval came a few truly mind-bending implications, such as the fact that particles are fundamentally neither here nor there, but until pinned down both here and there, at the same time. They are in a superposition of here-thereness. Don't worry, I'm still here and there. The theory also suggested that particles can be spookily linked, do something to one, and the change is felt instantaneously by the other, even across vast reaches of space. It is exactly these effects that show such promise now. The techniques that were refined in a bid to learn more about the quantum world are now being harnessed to put it to good use. We call these particles entangled, and if we could communicate using them, it would be almost impossible to hack. That has obvious appeal to companies and governments the world over. China has already launched a satellite that can receive and reroute such signals. A global, unhackable network could eventually follow. Because the future's bright, the future's quantum. For much of the 20th century, quantum has, in the popular consciousness, simply signified weird. In the 21st, it will come to mean better. Well, from better technology to better children, and apparently we're getting more of those, because the statistics on young offenders are looking promising, in Britain at least. Law-breaking has fallen steadily and strikingly in England and Wales since its peak in the mid-1990s. The overall number of crimes has halved, Calculating how many offences young people in particular are committing is tricky. The best indicator of long-term trends, the Crime Survey for England and Wales, uses information drawn from victims, not perpetrators, so the age of offenders is not recorded. Nonetheless, some measures suggest that rates of delinquency among young people in England and Wales are falling even faster than those among adults. Might a cleaner teenage lifestyle be to thank? The proportion of children who said they had ever tried drugs halved between 2001 and 2014. Among adults, the rate barely changed. 
In 2014, just 38% of 11- to 15-year-olds said that they had tried alcohol, according to the National Health Service, the lowest rate since the survey began in 1988, when it was 62%. Well, perhaps being surgically attached to their mobile phones has played a part too. Technology may also be at work. Hours spent online mean fewer opportunities to get bored and less loitering on street corners, potentially getting into trouble. British children are particularly keen on the internet. A study in 2012 by researchers at the London School of Economics on children in the EU found that on average they spent 88 minutes a day online. British youngsters lingered for 102 minutes. At eight years old, they also start using the internet a year sooner than the average. Who knew that adorable cat videos were the solution to Britain's national crime statistics? It's time to move from YouTube to real life as we head to our Europe section and the fat cats of Istanbul. And no, this time we don't mean the politicians. Sprawling on doorsteps, on cafe benches, inside hammams, stray cats and dogs are everywhere in Istanbul. Some 130,000 dogs roam the city. At least 125,000 wild cats prowl its streets. The strays of the city have inspired a boom in Facebook pages, adoring followers liking their every post. The craze has also moved from the little screen to the silver one. In February, Keddy, a feature-length documentary about cats in the city, opened in New York. It is now being released across America. Although butchers leave out scraps and locals build shelters in the winter, it's not all catnaps and nine lives in the city. Authorities and residents have gone whisker to whisker on the issue. In 2012, the government tried to introduce a law that would have consigned street dogs and cats to remote deserted areas referred to as nature parks. It was shelled after an outcry from animal rights activists and dog lovers. Thousands marched in the streets. Last week, several women wearing animal masks in Alanya, a coastal town, tried to file a petition as cats against the killing of around 50 of their fellow felines, to be told that only humans could file petitions. For now, anyway, a cat can always dream. Someone who appears to have been dreaming up ideas recently is the American President Donald Trump. He's been making multiple accusations, including pointing the finger at China for not playing by the rules when it comes to trade. International trade expert Chad Baum joined our Money Talks programme as we asked if the President has a point. China also has the state or the government heavily involved in, in certain types of industries. And so it's, it's more than just firms engaging in this kind of activity. It's also the state being involved, uh, potentially subsidizing it directly, whether we're talking about steel or, or aluminum, or the Chinese government being involved in certain sectors like banking and finance or key input industries that may end up working as implicit subsidies in lots of downstream industries. China is just a much bigger actor. It does some of the things that all other countries do, but it does some things that are particularly unique as well. Something that certainly isn't unique is a yellow taxi, and new research explored by our correspondent Matt Kaplan in our science and technology show, Babbage, explains why it's a very sensible colour choice when it comes to safety. This isn't trivial. You're talking about a difference of 70-odd accidents a month over the course of a year. That adds up to two, two and a half million Singaporean dollars. It's a, that's a lot of money for a company to be coughing up just because it's kept some of its taxis yellow. And we go from grabbing a cab to sailing the oceans now as we glide over to our finance section and the dirty world of shipping. 
By burning heavy fuel oil, just 15 of the biggest ships emit more oxides of nitrogen and sulphur, gases much worse for global warming than carbon dioxide, than all the world's cars put together. So it is no surprise that ship owners are being forced to clean up their act. But in an industry awash in overcapacity and debt, few have access to the finance they need to improve their vessels. The finance that is available, though, hasn't been flying off the shelves. The problem? Lack of incentives for those at the helm. Ship owners, who would normally borrow for such upgrades, do not benefit from lower fuel bills. It is the firms chartering the vessels that enjoy the savings. But their contracts are not long enough to make it worthwhile to invest in green upgrades. The average retrofit has a payback time of three years, whereas 80% of ship charters are for two years or less. But innovative green lending structures are making waves. One NGO, the Sustainable Shipping Initiative, has come up with a scheme called Save As You Sail. The idea is to share the fuel savings between the ship owner and the charterer over a longer contract, giving both an incentive to make the upgrades. Such schemes used to be thwarted by the difficulty of measuring exact fuel consumption on ships. New technologies allow more accurate readings. With more finance providers keen to get involved, calmer waters may be on the horizon. And on a still ocean, there may even be time to begin a good read. And where better to start than our books and arts section? America is the land of opportunity, they say. Inspired by the ambition of its founding fathers, its people revel in their dynamism. Diversity is their strength, as captured in the national motto, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. Americans embrace change and reinvention, and this, they like to think, sets their country apart from Europe or Asia. Well, economist Tyler Cowan thinks that's self-indulgent nonsense. America is losing its vim, he says, and Americans are settling into stagnation. In his new book, The Complacent Class, Mr Cowan shows not only that Americans move less now, crossing state lines at around half the average rate that they did between 1948 and 1971, and stay longer in their jobs, but American entrepreneurialism is floundering too. Markets are becoming more concentrated, fewer new companies are being started, and many struggle to grow. Even in the vaunted technology sector, the creation and expansion of new firms peaked in 2000. Sluggish growth in productivity and living standards is making America more like Europe and Japan. On the surface, Americans have more choice than ever, but Mr Cowan argues that division is the root of complacency. Segregation shuts off growth and stymies innovation. Poorer states used to be able to attract talented people by offering them a combination of promising job opportunities and cheaper housing. But now no one expects Louisiana to catch up with Silicon Valley. For the past few decades, poorer states have been caught in a vicious circle, says Mr Cowan, where the expectation that they will not catch up makes it harder for them to do so. Mr Cowan suggests driverless cars and artificial intelligence could provide a healthy dose of disorderliness to lull these states out of segregated stagnation. But other likelier forms of chaos include populist politicians bent on sowing division or even international violence. The path from those to a restored, vibrant America seems longer and rockier.
in cycles, things often go down before they go up. Ah, the joys of peaks and troughs. Nonetheless, I hope you've had an enjoyable progress through our tasting menu with me today. Don't forget you can read all of our articles mentioned in this week's issue and find our other podcasts online at Economist Radio. Do keep sending us your feedback by email, radio at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. Mm-hmm.